Abby Chen spent four years at Bain in the firm's Texas offices, and obtained an MBA from Harvard Business School. Now, she works with Management Consulted as a case coach, prepping candidates for consulting interviews. In today's episode, she leads a candidate through a Bain-style case, featuring a private equity fund looking to acquire a school bus manufacturer. Check out the video of the case, as well as the exhibit or, or chart from the case at the link in this episode's show notes. What framework will our candidate come up with to solve this problem? Keep listening to find out. I really encourage you to have a pencil and paper and follow along the case to see if you can solve it. It's great free case practice. You can work with Abby via one-on-one coaching. She'd love to work with you. So grab an hour or two of case coaching or join our Black Belt program for a comprehensive case prep program that includes eight hours of one-on-one coaching. Link in the show notes to check that out. All right, let's get into this live case led by Abby Chen. Yeah, let's, without further ado, let's just jump right in. Are you ready? Yep, ready. Let's go. All right. Your client is a private equity fund considering the acquisition of Big Yellow Bus Co., one of the leading manufacturers of school buses in the United States. It is the number one player in the market by revenue, number two by volume. There are only three competitors in the market with relatively equal share, but Big Yellow Bus was the clear leader five years ago. The client has engaged Bain to help determine whether or not to proceed with investment. How would you recommend the client to proceed? Mm-hmm. Let me just wrap up my notes here. Yep. Okay, this sounds like an interesting case. Very happy to work with the client on it. Um, as a start, let me just play back the situation to ensure that we are aligned on this. So essentially, our client is a PE firm and they are thinking about whether to invest in Big Yellow Basco. And briefly, we understand that Big Yellow Basco is a leading player uh, in the US. Uh, they manufacture buses, they're number one by revenue, number two by volume. And there are three other competitors, uh, all with equal market share uh, in the US market. And that our client was, you mentioned, a clear leader five years ago. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. So I, I think now, now that we are aligned on at least the case prompt, I'd like to just ask a few clarifying questions around the objective of our client, the PE fund, and also to understand okay. a bit about the business model of um, Big Yellow Basco. Sure. Yeah. So for the PE firm, I'm, I mean, my understanding is they typically would uh, invest uh, or acquire companies and they're mm-hmm. typically looking to sell it after X years for a certain kind of, um, you know, threshold target profit. So in this specific case, I just want to understand uh, if that is the that is the objective of the client. And do we have any specific uh, information on the target, um, uh, I guess, return on investment that they're looking at? Yeah, let's assume. So your assumption is right. Let's just assume that our client acts just like most of the PE firms that they're looking to exit the market in about three to five years. Okay, three to five years. And is there a specific um, ROI that they're looking at in terms of the investment, like 50%, 10%? Right now, we don't have that information. Okay, clear. All right. And then just moving over to the understanding the business of Big Yellow Basco. So you mentioned they essentially they manufacture school buses. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
Uh, in terms of their revenue model, just understanding. So they, it sounds like, are they a B2B kind of company? They make their school buses and then they sell it to other businesses uh, that would that would need school buses in the US. Yeah, so let's assume they do both B2B and B2C. Um, so they okay. basically just, yeah, they would just sell their product um, either directly to their consumer or through another okay. party. I see. Okay, clear. And do we know if in terms of the product, is there just one bus we're talking about or do they have different types of product lines uh, when we think about the buses? For now, let's just assume it's just one primary product. Okay, so one product for both the B2B and B2C kind of customers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, very clear. Okay, and just a point of clarification, you mentioned about the market structure earlier. So can I understand there are four key players in the market? So like Big Yellow Bus and then three other competitors. Um, so we'll get to that information okay. a bit later, but okay. it's let's assume it's three competitors total, including Big oh, Yellow in, in Bus. Total. Mm -hmm. I see, I see, got it. Okay, and the last question is, are they, is, is Big Yellow, Yellow Bus, um, in terms of its business, kind of all over the US, or are they concentrated in certain regions of the US? Let's assume it's all over the US. All over the US. Okay, very clear. I think I have a, I think, good enough baseline um, information okay. and context about clients. So if it's okay with you, let me just take a moment to structure an okay. approach in which we can use to answer the question. All right. Yep, sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a 30-second break to bring you this message. There's only one true way to build consulting skills, and that's to work on a consulting project, right? It makes sense. If you need to add experience to your resume or just want to see if consulting is right for you, then we'd love for you to join Strategy Sprint. Strategy Sprint, it's a one-week virtual consulting project taking place in November of 2023. You will work in a team of six, you'll get mentorship from an MBB consultant, and you're going to solve a strategic problem for a real world client. As of the time of this recording, there are just seven spots left for this program. So act fast before we sell out because we sell out for every single program. Link in the show notes to learn more about strategy sprint. Okay, let's get back to this episode. All right. Thank you for your time. So I think that the B film should uh, invest and acquire Big Yellow Bus com uh, company if four key conditions can be met. Uh, first, the market for the such school buses has to be an attractive market for us to consider. Second, um, big, uh, second, the PE firm should be able to achieve its return on investment uh, through the acquisition of this um, big yellow bus company, uh, given that it is primary objective as a PE firm is to, is to make money and exit with a certain ROI. Um, third, our clients should also have the necessary capabilities to make this acquisition, uh, not just financially, uh, but also operationally in terms of being able to uh, uh, run the company or able to find the necessary um, expertise to run a bus company. And fourth, our clients should be able to also manage the kind of risk that may be associated with the operation of a bus company. Such risk could include business risk, operational risk, and even regulatory risk. And happy to go into the details later. But of these four conditions, uh, I would prioritize looking at the first testing the first two conditions, whether the market is attractive and whether this would make financial sense uh, for our client. And if these two are proven to be true, then I think we can then spend uh, the remaining time understanding the capabilities and risk. So if the overall approach 
sounds reasonable to you, Abby, then what I'd like to do is just, just take another minute to articulate what are the kind of uh, analysis that we need to test under the first and second condition. Yeah, yes, please. Okay, so I think under market, market attractiveness, I'm looking for three things. Uh, first, we want to understand if the market size is it big? Is it a growing market? Like we expect to sell more buses in, in, in the US over the next three to five years. Um, second, we would also want to understand if our client would command a favorable favorable position within the competitive landscape. Uh, we understand they're a current market leader, but we should look at the trends and see whether that, that remains to be true over the next three to five years. So how would the, how would the market shares of the other uh, two players, uh, how do they look like? Do, they ex do, do we expect them to catch up over the next three to five years? The third thing I would test for is whether there's strong customer uptake for our uh, target company's product. So our, best, uh, our buses are uh, better than the other competitors' buses, maybe in terms of the number of seats they have, or maybe they are um, green buses. They run on electric uh, uh, power rather than you know, gas. So this is what I would like to look at. And if we can prove that the market is attractive, then I will move forward to the second bucket, which is to go into the financial um, analysis, right? We want to make sure that uh, our client would actually be able to achieve its ROI. So specifically, here I'll be looking at whether the annual operating profits that we can generate from acquiring this uh, bus company over the investment timeframe of three to five years, as you mentioned earlier, would be larger or significantly larger than the investment uh, cost uh, of or the acquisition cost of this company. Uh, if that can be proven to be true, then uh, we will be confident that uh, the client would be able to achieve its ROI. So I... I think we can check with the client for the acquisition cost, but here I'll focus on um, laying out how we can derive annual operating profits. So essentially, annual operating profits can be broken down into the profits from its B2B segment and the B2C segment, as you shared earlier. And under each of these segments, essentially, we want to break it down into its logical subcomponents, revenue and cost. So under revenues, we, we want to understand what are the number of uh, buses uh, that Big Yellow Bus Co. expects to sell going forward, and also at what realistic price point they can sell their buses at. And then on the cost side, we'd like to understand what the variable cost and the uh, fixed cost uh, would be. Here, I'll imagine that you know the variable cost and fixed cost could include things like fuel, um, uh, bus drivers, uh, and even uh, just maintenance costs of the buses uh, and cleaning costs of the buses. But essentially, once we are able to quantify all this, uh, we would be able to check whether the annual operating profit uh, is indeed large enough over the investment timeframe to hit the ROI. So this is how I intend to conduct the um, specific analysis for the first and second bucket. And if this makes sense to you, I'll be very happy to get started and to ask for information to allow us to do so. Yeah, this makes sense. Could you just very quickly, I know you mentioned earlier you had two other buckets you would, look, you would like to look at. Yeah, Could you sure. very quickly go over those as well? Sure, very happy to do so. So assuming that you know the market is attractive and we can achieve financial viability, then we should check whether our client has the capabilities. And here, there are two things, uh, financial capability and operational capability. So financial capability, meaning uh, can they afford acquisition? And even if they can afford, how are they going to do it? Is it by cash? Is it by equity? Is it by debt? Is you should understand how they're going to structure the, 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 the affordability of this acquisition. Now, second, we should 
understand whether our client has the operational capability. So for example, have they had similar experiences acquiring bus companies uh, in the US or maybe in other markets before? Uh, do they know what it takes to uh, uh, run a profitable bus company? Do they have executives, perhaps maybe not in the bus companies, but from other companies like uh, airline companies or transport companies, whereby they could bring um, experience, um, a knowledge of how to run a transport business to, 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 to this um, um, to this target company, right? Um, and if we are confident that they have the necessary capabilities to, to, to run the company, then we should also check whether they are aware of and whether they can um, mitigate and handle the kind of risk that may be associated. So let me let me give some flavor of some of the risks I mentioned earlier. One would be um, business risk. So for example, uh, nowadays, uh, we are in, the, in a situation whereby uh, pandemics and viruses break out quite frequently. We want to understand if such a situation happens again or such an uh, a outbreak happens again, uh, would, you know, close, close tr uh, would transport of kids within a close uh, kind of environment like a school bus be affected? So would it affect our business demand? That's one. Um, second, we would like to understand also um, regulatory uh, risk. So, for example, we are talking about the transport of school children, and it's it's very normal um, for the regulatory authorities to typically add more regulations to ensure safe transport. This could either mean uh, increasing costs for us, or it could uh, mean uh, disruption to, to the way we operate our our business model. So, we want to make sure that those risks are understood well and can be mitigated if they happen. And the third category of risk would be operational risk. So, for example, how are we going to find um, the the necessary amount of bus drivers to uh, uh, to, to sorry, let me take a step back. How we how are we able to find the number of uh, workers that will be able to manufacture such uh, buses uh, for for big yellow bus code? Because I would assume that such an industry, a lot of the uh, uh, workers could be on uh, lower wages, and there could be an issue of uh, getting perhaps foreign labor uh, from outside the US. To, to work in such factories. And if that's the case, then there's a question about quota, there's a question about um, whether they have the necessary skill set to, to manufacture to a safety level required by US standards. So these are some possible risks. Happy to go into more if the client requires, but I just wanted to at least lay out um, some of the thinking behind capability, capabilities and risk. Wonderful, thank you so much. I think we're good for now with those um, points of consideration. Mm -hmm. Those are quite comprehensive. Um, so. Like you said, market attractiveness is definitely the first thing we want to look at. And as part mm -hmm. of that, as you mentioned, is the size of the market. Um, so right. our client is interested to see how large is the market for school buses in the U.S. in general. And let's disregard whether it's B2C or B2B. Okay. Um, so they'll just focus on the overall demand side. And the second question they want to ask you is how attractive is the market? And to answer the second question, we got a, a bit more data. Um, so we know that big yellow buses prices are about 20% higher than its competitors. 20%? Um, 20%, yes. We know that the market has a fairly steady long-term 3% growth rate driven by GDP and population growth. However, the market growth has been 6% over the past two years as local towns rush to buy buses prior to new emissions regulations coming into place. And again, let's just focus on um, the U.S. market and customers are almost exclusively the local cities and towns in the U.S. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, clear. Okay, so just to be clear, there are two questions here. Uh, the first mm -hmm. one is to size uh, the, the number of school buses that could be sold in the US on a per year basis. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then the second question sounds like we will be adding on the, uh, when we try to figure out how attractive it is, we are trying to add on uh, or figure out what the the total revenue of, of, of that market is. Is that right? Like factoring in price. So no need to actually calculate for the second question. Um, because mm -hmm. you currently don't have the price information. So let's just right. assess at a fairly high level. Um, you mm -hmm. don't really need to do math mm -hmm. if you think this is an attractive market, given the information you're given. Okay, I see. All right. So I, I think if you're okay, let's focus on the first question first. Yeah. And then let's move yeah, on to the second one. Good. All right. Okay. So the question is how many school buses can be sold in the US market uh, in a year, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do, um, Abby, is let me just take a moment to think through what the mathematical word equation, uh, okay. what a reasonable one may look like. And I'll yeah. come back to align with you on, on the logic first before we plug okay. in numbers to calculate. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. So to get to the number of school buses that can be sold each year, uh, this is what I have in mind. We can start mm -hmm. from um, the number of schools in the US as a start. And then from there, we could then factor in the number of students or average number of students per each of these schools to understand the total uh, student population across the whole of US schools. And then factoring in a percentage of students that actually require bus as a transport to go to schools. Uh, because some people may, depending on where they stay, they could walk to school if it's nearby or parents drop them off. Uh, there'll be a percentage that would require a school bus. So we factor that in. And once we have that, then we could um, divide by the capacity of the bus. So like to figure out, you know, if a bus can take 20 seater or 40 seater, then the number of buses that we need. And this would then give us a sense of um, the, the, the number of buses that we need across uh, all schools in the US at any point in time. But we should also factor in the fact that um, uh, what is the renewal rate or the life cycle of each bus, right? So if buses can run for say 10 years or 15 years, which means every one out of 10 years or every one out of 15 years, uh, the companies or there'll be demand to buy new buses uh, from, from big big bus, uh, yellow bus company. So I, th I think this, this is my way of thinking. Um, I just happy to kind of refine it further with you first before we work on the numbers, if yeah, that makes great. sense. Yeah, thank you so much for putting thoughts into this and for aligning with me um, before running any calculations. So I'm overall, I hear where you're coming from with your approach with regards to the first thing you said about um, you want to start with number of schools in the US. How do you plan to estimate that? Good question. Um, I was actually about to ask if we have uh, data <laughs> on that, but uh, if, we, if we have to estimate that, uh, let me think about it really quickly. Well, I, I think that we could do one one way is to um, perhaps maybe first define when we talk about schools, uh, what kind of schools we're talking about, because there could be schools from elementary school to middle school, high school, uh, and, um, you know, the structures of those could really be different. Uh, is there a need to segment into that, that level of detail in this particular case? So, yeah, that would be one way to do it. Unfortunately, we don't have any information on the number of schools mm. or 
overall our schools by segment. So instead right. of that, why don't we approach this uh, top down from the overall population and feel free to okay. make assumptions around that. Okay, sure. Sure, sure. I think that's a good steer. Thanks for that. So one way we can do is to look at, like you said, overall population, segment them into uh, reasonable age groups, and then focus on the age groups where we expect kids to go to school, right? So yep. probably around, um, I don't know, seven years old, six years old to, let's say, uh, high school be up to 16, 17 or around there. And then based on that, uh, that, that size of the number of students, we can then make an assumption of how many of them actually go to school, right? For a developed um, country like the US, on average, I expect it to be quite high, maybe above 80, 85 or 90%. And once we have that already, then we can also make an assumption as to uh, the, the capacity of each school in terms of how many average number of students they have. And then that will give us a kind of a very uh, top-down, um, high-level estimate of the number of schools in the US. Yeah, that overall sounds great. Just to simplify it, uh, let's disregard the capacity of school. Mm -hmm. um, just to, to simplify the process a little bit. But other than that, it sounds great. Okay, so then let me go ahead and get started and plug in the okay. numbers uh, and I'll, I'll walk you through. So let's start with the number of population in the US. Um, would 300 million be a rough good estimate to, to go with the overall population? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, clear. So what I'm going to do next is then segment the, um, the population, right? Um, and I'm going to segment it into roughly uh, four, roughly four equal age uh, groups. So 0 to 20, 21 to 40 years old, 41 to 60, and 61 to 80. I know that the average life expectancy could be slightly above 80 years old, but for the purpose of, I guess, just good. doing the, yeah. it is good. Yeah. yeah. So if we have um, kind of four age groups, then the question is now to scope down to where this school going age would be. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mentioned earlier about seven to seventeen years old. Would that be a so about a ten year ten year yes, period? Would that, that be good. fair? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. So then, essentially, what I would do is I would take um three hundred million total population. So if I would divide it by four into each of the age groups, that would be about seventy five million per age group of a twenty year uh, period. And we said that we aligned that the school going. Age is about 10 years. So that'd be half of the 75 million, which means roughly about 37.5 million uh, uh, kids in the US are of uh, school going age. Now, we let's make an assumption about how many of them actually are enrolled and go to school. So I'm thinking probably something around 90%. Would that be a fair representation in the US? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So let's take 90% of 37.5 million. So that's roughly, just give me a moment. Okay, so that's roughly 33.75 million. Um, if you if you're okay, we can round it to 34 million um, yeah. children. So now we have this number, uh, 34 million um, children actually go to school uh, in the US. Uh, mm -hmm. I know you you said earlier that we can we we don't we can disregard the capacity of the school. Um, so given this and going back to my original structure, then mm -hmm. if we know that 34 million uh, children go to school, then what I would like to do next is uh, to understand how many of these 34 million would actually require bus as a form of transport uh, to mm -hmm. the school. I'm not too familiar about the the, 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 the the picture in the US. So if you have some information that can help us approximate that, that would be quite helpful. Yeah, let's assume it's about a third. About a third? Okay, so roughly about 11 million then, with some rounding, about 11 million out okay. of 34 million go uh, take bus. 
right? So now that we have this, this is really helpful. Then what we need to do next is to then factor in the capacity of each bus. Um, what would the capacity be for each bus uh, that that um, big yellow bus co uh, produces? Yeah, let's assume it's about fifty children per bus. Fifty, okay, mm -hmm. cool. So what I'm going to do is to take eleven million. Um, divided by uh, 50 to figure out how many how many buses are actually needed at any point in time. Just be a moment. Okay, so it looks like uh, if I take 11 million uh, kids divided by 50, then we need 220,000 buses. Um, mm -hmm at any point in time in uh, the US. Now, uh, given we're trying to size the annual market size of how many buses are, uh, can be sold, uh, we wouldn't, nobody would be buying 220,000 buses every year because the buses right. have a certain shelf life. So we need to factor in what the shelf life is. Um, yeah. I know in most places it's about anywhere between 10 to 20 years. I just want to know what if our client has a specific number we, we can use. Yeah, let's assume the average life of a bus is 10 years. 10 years? Mm -hmm. Okay, clear. Then if we work on that, then it means on, on average, uh, every year, 22,000 buses need to be replaced or need to be bought again. So I think this is this would be the um, uh, the answer to the first question. The annual science of the school bus market is about 22,000 um, buses. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, great. Uh, right. So now that we have that, uh, what we want to understand uh, as other than the size is actually uh, from the, you know, if you consider some form of high level price uh, numbers, whether this would actually be an attractive uh, market uh, to enter. So mm -hmm. let me just quickly uh, um, align with you on the information you gave earlier. Um, you mentioned that the average price of our uh, target company's bus is 20% higher than competitors, right? Yes. Okay. And you mentioned something else about the long-term growth rate of 3% by GDP and population. Can I clarify if this long-term growth rate is applied to the year-on-year uh, -year growth in the price of uh, the target company's buses? Uh, so not necessarily on the price, it's just on the overall size of the market. I see, size of the market, the, the school mm -hmm. bus market. Mm -hmm. Okay, clear. All right, and then you mentioned the other data point, which was you said market growth has, has been 6% over the past few years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if I put the two and two together, we are basically looking at uh, a bit of a slowdown in, in, the, in the growth, right? Uh, from 6% to 3% going forward. Or you could say that on average, um, it's been a 3% year over year growth, but over the past two years, actually, it's been an increase. Ah, there could have been a faster rate in the past mm -hmm. years. Okay, clear. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, and can I just confirm, was this the only quantitative information that you provided earlier? I just want to make sure I didn't miss out anything else. Uh, yeah, this is all the information I provided. Okay, very clear. So I think based on this information, um, and if we were to consider the information you gave at the start of the prom as well, uh, well, we know that uh, the target firm commands a leading uh, position in the market um, by revenue and uh, number two by volume. So given that kind of a baseline position and the market trends going forward, they would still command a higher price uh, than the competitors of up to 20%. That looks quite attractive uh, from a kind of a pricing standpoint. And then if we were to look at the uh, 
long-term growth rate of the market uh, on an average rate of uh, 3%. Uh, that seems pretty healthy as well. I guess the, the only question that I have to confirm whether the market will be attractive would be to understand how our clients' um, market share uh, is expected to change vis-a-vis uh, -vis the other competitors in the next few years. Because you mentioned that they were a clear leader five years ago. So I'm interested to know what the situation is now and whether you know, perhaps they are at a king or at a point whereby things are changing. Do we know what's happening uh, about yeah, that? that that's a great question. Um, so we got a little bit more information from the client. Uh, so in a moment, I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to share with you an exhibit on the competitive landscape. And would like great. for you to um, tell us what insights you get from this exhibit. Sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Let me just take a look at this exhibit. Okay, let me just take a moment to go through the details and then come back to the yep. insights that you asked yep. for. Yeah. Okay, this is really interesting. If I were to look at the market share analysis information, um, I think it corrobor corroborates with what you said earlier. We are number one in terms of uh, market share by uh, revenue, uh, number two in terms of units. But what would be interesting for me actually is how this would change moving forward. Um, um, the market share positions. And I think we can get a bit of a uh, clue or can we can form some hypothesis based on the margin analysis information. Here I see that we actually have a relatively the lowest gross margin and operating margins compared to the other two competitors. Um, so a possible hypothesis is that, uh, I, I mean, you know, our cost base could be large, but the question for me is what is the implication of that? Uh, it looks like given a, a wider gross margin or operating margin, uh, th there is the uh, con strategic concern that the, comp the other competitors could be able to price or have more space to price their uh, bus product cheaper than, than our uh, target company, which also means that they could be, they, there is a threat of them getting more market share by selling uh, cheaper buses. Uh, which would steal market share away from uh, Big Yellow Basco over time. And if that turns out to be true, then um, it may erode uh, the, the fact that we are able to price 20% higher than, than um, competitors A and B because our volume may be decreasing. So I think that is something that I would, a hypothesis that I'd like to verify and, and understand. Um, uh, and if that's the case, then we, we may, we will have to recognize uh, that threat uh, in our financial analysis over the next three to five years to really determine whether uh, this makes financial sense for us to 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 acquire a big yellow bus um, company. Yeah, that's a great hypothesis. Um, so we took your insight back to the client and the clients told us that, yes, they have been pricing their bus at a higher price point um, because they tend to have higher procurement costs compared to mm -hmm. their competition. And... Um, unfortunately, the, the bus market is fairly commoditized. And mm -hmm. so our client has been, um, or Big Yellow Bus has been losing market share because they've been commanding a higher price. Right. No, I, I think that's really um, very important information. And given that, uh, I think the key thing here is that given it's commoditized market, then price matters to the end customers. And so I think there's, in terms of the next step that I would like to analyze, it will be this: Is there a way for our, is there a way for us to to uh, be more price competitive by fixing the 
the high procurement costs that we are facing uh, with big yellow bus company. If there is scope for us to do that, then there's a chance for us to be price competitive and then we may um, avert the situation whereby we lose market share. But um, if that turns out to be uh, unfeasible to uh, reduce procurement costs, then from the face of it, it does look like the market may not look attractive going forward in the next few, uh, three to five, five years for our client. Got so it. as a next step, if it's helpful, we could look at uh, whether there's uh, opportunities for cost takeout in the procurement side of uh, Bigelow Bus Company. Got it. Thank you so much. So based on everything we've done this far, um, what would you like to advise our private equity firm on? Would you recommend mm -hmm. that they go ahead with investing in Big Yellow Bus? Why or why not? Sure. Let me just put it all really quickly together for okay. the private equity company. We'll be right back after this quick break. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, we run an extreme consulting makeover. What is this? Well, it's a live one-hour Q&A session where we workshop two consulting candidates' resumes and we answer your questions live. Click the link in this episode's show notes to register for an upcoming Extreme Consulting Makeover and to apply to have your resume workshop in front of a live audience. We'll see you next Tuesday. All right, so uh, dear Mr. CEO of the private equity firm, um, you asked whether your company should uh, invest and acquire Big Yellow Bus Company. Now, based on our analysis so far, our recommendation is no, and it's for this reason that the the projections show that the big yellow bus company is very likely to lose market share to its two competitors over the next three to five year time frame that we are interested in. Uh, and this is due to the fact that the uh, high procurement costs on their end has caused them to price higher than the competitors in what is actually a very commoditized market. Now, therefore, in terms of the next steps, we suggest uh, two further analysis. One, we should understand if there is scope for big yellow bus company to um, bring down its procurement costs, perhaps through renegotiating with our end suppliers. Uh, and if that's the case, uh, then the second thing we can do is to conduct a uh, financial viability or, or financial projections as to how you know, the annual operating profits may look like over the next three to five years and whether it makes sense for us to enter. I'm very happy to work with your team on this when we resume work next Friday, uh, next Monday. Thank you. Thank you so much, YC. Thank you, Abby. Right. Yeah. Um... For the sake of time, I'm just going to go straight into the feedback portion. Sure. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yep. Thank you so much for um, for taking this on. It definitely takes a lot of courage to run a live case in front of everyone. Um, so congrats again for doing that. Overall, I think clearly you're very solid, very strong candidate um, with a lot of practice in a case interview. And so I'll try to be a little bit more nitpicky about my feedback, if you're good with that, just to help you stand out um, from yeah. the pool of candidates. So yeah, again, great, uh, great performance. Um, so on the constructive feedback side, I would say the largest areas for improvement, probably more around communications as well as time. And so mm -hmm. if there are ways for you to condense and make your language more concise, which is linked with the time um, because the case did take a little bit longer than we had hoped um, and we can dive more deeply into the specific parts and figuring out tactical ways for you to shorten the time. So first of all, go into uh, framework, very solid framework and substantially. Uh, I think your, your content was really good. The buckets cover pretty much everything we would like to see in a framework for a PE investing kind of case. 
Um, so I think the feedback, the constructive feedback there is really around um, the time portion. I think framework typically, I would say, takes definitely takes less than 10 minutes, usually around five minutes or so. And I think this portion took longer than 10 minutes. Um, so tactical ways to suggest for you to improve on that. One, I would say when you're giving the overview, let's just give the overview of the buckets. When you're giving the overview of the four um, dimensions, four buckets that you're going to dive more deeply in, you're already giving me some of the specific bullet points. And so that right. would have been one way to save time. In addition, I think um, you had taken this hypothesis of diving more deeply in the first two buckets, um, but not really elaborating on the, on the last two buckets. I would say, actually, unless the interviewer is pushing you proactively to just focus on the first two, let's try to give a little bit of time on each of the four buckets. Um, and then if they push you, then you can dive more deeply. And so I think you, for example, on the second bucket around ROI, you spent an extraordinarily amount of time um, talking mm -hmm. about, for example, the operating profit and how you can look at, you know, the revenue and cost side. That's great analysis, but I think it's, it is a little bit too deep for the sake of the, the purpose of the framework portion um, and also for the sake of time. So that would have been another tactical place where if you had been more concise and you didn't have to go as much in detail in order to save time. Mm -hmm. Clear. Yep. Great. Um, and then on the market sizing portion, you know, love how you took the time, thought about the approach before you um, plugged in any numbers. That's definitely the right thing to do, right? For example, in this case, because I did have to nudge you in slightly adjusting your approach, it was great that you didn't go into any of the math. Um, otherwise, you, you would have wasted time. So great job on that. And great to see that, you know, you're very open-minded. You're open for to steering, um, but also not just doing it blindly. Um, so you really thought about it. When I asked you, you know, how would you estimate the, the number of schools? And when you realized it was going to be more challenging, and we didn't really have data to help you out on that front, then you're more open to being steered. Um, so I think one tactical uh, constructive feedback on market sizing is when you looked into the age segments, it would have been mm -hmm. because essentially you're just assuming a linear spread yeah. across each yeah. age segment, right? So if you had decided, you know, you're looking at a 10-year span, it's really just 10 over 80 years, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it would have been 12.5%. Instead right. of first uh, splitting the population into um, segments of 20 years mm -hmm. and then having that. So that would have been a little bit faster as well. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, the math was flawless. Um, you did math solidly and quickly. So overall, great job on market sizing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. uh, on the exhibit. So again, great job because this exhibit had. Uh, a little bit more information than the average exhibit. So it was great for you to ask for time, digest it, and then come back with just the insights. So great job on that. Um, I would say the insight you gave was good. You know, you try to compare the exhibit with all of the information and the data you haven't given before and see if things matched and try to draw the insights from that. 
uh, one thing was I wish you had proactively told me about, you know, your hypothesis being um, the yellow bus would have higher procurement cost. I was the one. So you pointed out how we are higher in price and we have a lower profit margin. But the next level in that analysis would have been, okay, why? Why is that if we're charging more? Mm-hmm. But we're actually not as profitable than the mm-hmm. next level hypothesis would have been, okay, perhaps we have higher procurement costs. Yeah. And so if so I had to um, kind of give that information for you. Uh, so you were you're scratching the surface, but it would have been stronger if you had given me that hypothesis proactively. Right. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. 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 And then final recommendation was great. Love the structure. The timing on that was great. So overall, you know, very solid performance for sure. And so I would say just working on condensing that communications and make the language a little bit more precise. Thank you great. so much. Thank you so much for the feedback. Really helpful. And I hope it's helpful for the other listeners on, on this uh, live stream as well. Abby would love to work with you to develop a personalized case prep plan. Learn more about Abby and book a one-on-one session with her today at the link in this episode's show notes. If you enjoyed this live case, please uh, let us know by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We really appreciate it, and it helps get the word out to more people that this show is worth listening to. Thank you for being a loyal listener. Catch you again on another episode in a few days.